Calvary Church is located in beautiful Peterborough, Ontario, and is committed to impacting that community with the life-changing message of Jesus Christ. Each week, one of our preaching team draw powerful life application truths from the Bible. Check us out here or online at calvaryptbo.church. When you were younger, did you ever, uh, did you ever play with action figures? Now, action figures is a term that, uh, that boys use, typically. Hasbro came up with this term way back in the day because uh, they realized that their, their toys that were geared towards boys weren't being played with when they called them dolls. And so they came up with this term, action figure. And, uh, and the very first action figure, if I, get my, if I have my, my intel right, uh, the very first action figure was the G.I. Joe. Did, uh, did any of you play with G.I. Joes back in the day? I wasn't cool enough to have G.I. Joes. They weren't, uh, they weren't in, my, in my budget, unfortunately, even though they were probably, you know, a dime a dozen. Literally, back then, a dime for a dozen. That was a long time ago. Actually, I, I watched the cartoon, uh, G.I. Joe cartoon, uh, a little bit, and I could, you know, my problem, I was pretty young when I was watching this, that's what I'm going to blame it on, but you know what my problem was with watching G.I. Joe? I could never figure out who Joe actually was. It bothered me for the longest time, and then, and then somebody had to explain it to me. No, 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 that's just a term that all the soldiers were given. They were all called G.I. Joes in many respects. And, and G.I. actually stood for galvanized iron originally, way back in the day. It became more known over the years as a general purpose or general issue, a government issue. That, that was kind of what it became known as. But G.I. actually started as galvanized iron, just a useless fact for for you to know now. You can share that with somebody later on at lunch if you so desire. For me, my first action figure wasn't the G.I. Joe. My first action figure was Voltron. Anybody, anybody was a Voltron fan out there? No, I'm the only one. Awesome. Voltron was the coolest when I was a kid, for me anyways. It was these, electro, or these robotic lions, that, uh, that people would drive around, and, uh, and they came together in the climax of the battle. They came together to form one big robot called Voltron. And I remember getting my Voltron action figures, and I would put them in this precarious situation and, and play with them and battle with them because I knew that if I put them in just this way, although it looked dangerous in the moment, they were going to prevail. And the battle would be won because I knew what I was doing. I was in control of the action figure. I was the one who knew exactly what was going to happen, and if I put them in that position, they would win. And in many respects, I think God uses us in many ways like that as well. We, in, in God's eyes, can be considered like action figures, that he wants to use us and put us into battles and into situations, knowing full well, because he's in control, knowing full well what he's doing. But here's the, here's the challenge, because you and I are both like this. I, I'm, I have this problem 
as well. When God puts us in precarious situations, we kind of look at him and say, are you serious, God? Like, this is what you want me to do? Here, let me decide what I should do because I don't know if you really know best as to what I should be doing. So maybe I'll back away from this challenging situation and I will find myself over here in Florida on the beach, you know, sipping lemonade as an idea. I don't want to be in the battle. I don't want to be in that precarious situation. But God asks us to be obedient to him, and he wants us to be like action figures. Now, unlike Voltron, my action figure, we can resist God. Yes, we can. But he wants to work in partnership with us to fulfill what it is he is calling us to do. For the next six weeks, we are going to actually look on a journey through the book of Acts. And as we study the different stories in this fascinating book, I want us to pay attention to how the Holy Spirit used willing followers, like action figures, to launch the church all throughout the Roman Empire, paving the way to impact the, the, make the impact that Christianity would have for all of us for the rest of time. Now, the book became known as the Acts of the Apostles. Originally, it didn't have a name, but over time, it was given the name, the Acts of the Apostles. But as you read through the book, you begin to, uh, you begin to realize that the Apostles aren't really mentioned all that much throughout the book. Peter, one of the Apostles, one of the original Apostles, he dominates a good chunk of the first half of the book of Acts. But then the second half is all based around this guy named Paul, and Paul wasn't even one of the original apostles that Jesus had picked, handpicked. But yet, he dominates the second half. It should actually be called, in many respects, and I think, and I agree with some commentators when they say this, a more fitting name would actually be the Acts of the Holy Spirit, not so much the Acts of the Apostles. The writer of this was a, a man by the name of Luke. He was a physician out of Antioch, and so more than likely, Luke wasn't even a Jew. He was what would be known as a Gentile. You either had Jews or you had Gentiles. Gentiles were everybody else outside of the Jewish nation. And so Luke, Luke was probably from, uh, from Syria area, Antioch area, and he probably was not uh, a Jew, and more than likely had no idea about the Hebrew language, which the Jews spoke. But over, over the years, this physician, this well-trained physician, became a pretty good historian. And we have two works of Luke in the New Testament. We have Luke's first book, which is the Gospel of Luke, which talks about the stories of Jesus. And then he continues on and he writes this second book, the book of Acts. And so it's a two-part series that, that he wrote. And we see right from the beginning in the book of Acts... That, uh, that Luke is writing to a, a guy na- named Theophilus. It says, in my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus began to do and to teach. And so he's writing to this guy named Theophilus. In fact, it's the same person he was writing to when he wrote the Gospel of Luke. In Luke chapter 1, there it says in verse 3 and 4, speaking of the works of Jesus, He says, with this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. 
this Theophilus, we're not really sure too much about who this guy is, but he must have had some level of probably political prestige. And maybe he was either curious about this Christian movement, or, or maybe he was a Christian already and he just wanted to know more information, but Luke felt the need to write this book to Theophilus to share what happened in the early church. And let me be honest, I am so glad that he did. Acts is the only book that we have that speaks of the formation of the early church. Now, this isn't to discredit all the Gospels, but if we, if we were to take one of the Gospels and pull it out, we still have the other three to really understand who Jesus was and what he did while he was on earth. But Acts stands alone. Acts is the only book that really characterizes for us what happened in the early church and how the church movement, how Christianity began right from the hop. So it's really important that we pay attention to, uh, to this book and learn from this book. In the, next, or in the first few verses, Luke lays out for us what he's trying to get across in, in the remainder of the book. So let's pick it up. If you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to follow along. We're going to Acts. We're going to start reading at chapter 1, verse 1. Acts, as, uh, as you can see in my Bible, it's getting close to the end. So if you're not familiar with the Bible and, and you have one, you brought it with you, it's made up of the Old Testament, which is all the time before Christ, and then the New Testament, which starts at Christ and moves into the early church. And so Acts is in the New Testament after, uh, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four Gospels, and then we get to Acts, starting at verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote all about that Jesus began about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father has set by his own authority. But you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. I find that, I find that interesting. Jesus is making a point here. And Acts, or Luke is, is trying to help us understand. People, stay in your lane. All right? Don't start going out of, out of what it is that the Holy Spirit is asking of you to do. Jesus has a plan for you and he wants you to fulfill that. So stay there. Don't worry about all the other stuff. Focus in, because what I want you to do is he's saying, I want you to do two things. And this is the major theme throughout the whole book of Acts, is the work of the Holy Spirit through the, the apostles or the followers of Jesus Christ in proclaiming, or as he uses the term here, witnessing to what it is that Jesus did and what the hope that Jesus has for all of humanity. That's the point of Luke. The work of the Spirit and his followers as witnesses. Not what it is that we want to
into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So like I said, there are two main themes. The work of the Spirit and the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus by his followers. And he's making a progression of thought here for us to follow, to bring us up to speed. He says, he says first of all, Jesus began the work. But now from this point forward, he mandates the apostles. He mandates the followers of Jesus to continue the work. But don't continue the work only in your own strength. Only do this through the power of the Spirit. And that Spirit will only come once he ascends into heaven. Once he leaves the scene. I, I kind of find that, you know... Somewhat like human nature. Uh, maybe you've had experiences like this at work or, or whatever where, where there was someone in a specific role and, uh, and they were pretty influential and they had a lot of, of uh, influence in what happened and, and they took on a lot of responsibility. But then all of a sudden, they were removed from the equation. You've ever had this experience? They were removed from the equation and the, and the gap is left there and, all, and everybody around is going, oh boy. Uh, now and they kind of start to scramble trying to figure out what's going on. And, and it comes to the conclusion that what this one person could do can't be done by one person anymore. We need multiple people working on this because that was a lot of work. And you have experiences like that where people have, have had that? This is what's happening here. Let's just think about this. If Jesus didn't ascend into heaven... Who would be the one that we look to, to to proclaim the message? It would still be Jesus. But Jesus, very smart, says, I can't stay here. Because if I stay here, everything's going to hinge on me. And there are way too many people in this world. I can only be in one place at one time in this bodily form. So I'm going to remove myself from this situation, and I'm going to empower you to be the body of Christ from this point forward. I'm going to empower you, church, to be my hands, to be my feet, and go around this globe and share the good news of Jesus Christ. We now are the body of Christ. And he says, do this only through the empowerment of the Spirit. And so we see Jesus ascends right there in front of them. And after, after they were done there, they headed back to Jerusalem. And, uh, and they found themselves in a gathering together. And for 10 days, they kind of gathered together with the sole purpose of praying and waiting. In the midst of that, we, we see that they replace the one, uh, the one disciple who, who was no longer with them, Judas Iscariot. If you're familiar with that story, Jesus uh, was betrayed by one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot. And he ends up hanging himself. Uh, out of that experience and so he's no longer part of the equation and, and the disciples were like well I guess we need to fill this role Jesus had 12 must have had 12 for a reason and so he they decided to to fill that role with Matthias who was the 12th person that they added to the equation and then it says they stayed together and they gathered together for 10 days and they prayed and fasted and spent time together and Acts chapter 2 rolls around and they have this amazing encounter in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. This is where we get our name, Pentecostal Church. 
is uh, because of this experience, because of this day. Pentecost was uh, 50 days after the Passover, and uh, it was a celebration. It was a holiday for the Jewish culture. And, and so, so in the midst of Pentecost, in the midst of this day, they have this encounter with the Holy Spirit that revolutionizes who they are. And we have, we have what seemed to be like the room was shaking and, and the wind was violently whirling through the room and it appeared like there were flames of fire on the heads of each of those who were in the room. And they began to speak in languages that they'd never experienced before, never learned before. And the people outside of the room recognized something's going on up there. Not sure what kind of rave is happening at nine in the morning, but that's exciting and that's just weird. So there's bizarre happenings going on. And Peter, of all people, Peter, who was like, Jesus, I'm with you only until I have to do it in public stands up in front of all of these people and he proclaims this message and most of chapter 2 talks about what Jesus preached outside of the upper room to all those who are in the area. And it says at the end of that message that 3,000 people came to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, gave their lives to Jesus, became followers that day. That's what the work of the Holy Spirit has the potential of doing in us and through us. That's what we long for, isn't it? Don't we long, as followers of Jesus Christ, to see his name proclaimed, to see lives changed, to see people who are lost and dying receive the hope? That's what it's about. That's what my heart cry is. Just too many people in our community who don't know Christ. We've got to be about reaching them, but we can't do it on our own. And Luke is saying, be empowered. I want to make the point, church, be empowered by the Spirit. Jesus is asking us to do that. There's a bit of a a thesis that that he ends the intro here with at the end of chapter 2. In verse 42 of of Acts chapter 2, he says, they devoted, they, those those who were added to that number, added to those followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wondrous, wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. There was something that happened in that community of faith. And I think the book of Acts... And the culture in which they lived in is very similar to what we live in today. And I think that as we study through this book together, there are things that we need to pay attention to, that we need to integrate into who we are as followers of Jesus Christ. I think that we need to parallel a lot more closely what was happening in the early church than what we see happening in the church today. 
So here's a couple of things as we look over the next number of weeks through the book of Acts. This is what I'm hoping that we're going to get out of, out of this. And I want, us to, I want us to be reading this together. And as we're, as we're journeying through Acts, I want you to pay attention to the emphasis that's on prayer, first and foremost. Prayer comes up repeatedly, over and over and over again. They spent time in prayer. They had to make a decision. They prayed and heard from the Holy Spirit and made the decision. Prayer has to be the driving force. Now, you know, this is just a shameless plug because, uh, ironically, October the 8th, we actually have a prayer night. And, uh, you know, worship and prayer. And I know all of you have already put it in your calendars because we've talked about this for the last couple weeks. Wow, interesting. People, we need to pray. We need to pray. And so I want to encourage us to be here on October the 8th from 6.30 till 8 here in this room while, while you bring your children and put them in the children's program or let the junior highs go to junior high. You can come and spend the time here with us and, uh, and praying and worshiping together. So October the 8th, it's the second Tuesday of the month, which is what we're going to do outside December. That one's a little different. But every other month, the second Tuesday of every month, we're going to have prayer and worship here in this room. I want to encourage you to be here. Second thing I want us to notice is that there, we need to recognize the emphasis of knowing the truths of Scripture. You know, throughout time, great movements of God happened as a result of people hearing knowing and implementing the word of God. If you journey through Acts and you start reading, you'll know that they were pretty good at communicating the truths of Scripture. Why? Because they knew the word. They studied the word. It was a part of who they are. They devoured the word. And so recognize the emphasis on the truths of Scripture that we see throughout the book of Acts. Recognize the emphasis on doing everything through the power of the Spirit. Now, some of you, you may be skeptical. You, you may have experienced or, or uh, been a part of churches in the past where they've been just a little crazy, and they claim that it's Jesus doing this for them, and it's the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden you're like, woo, that's a little bizarre. There, yep, it probably is. Maybe you grew up in, a, uh, in some other form of, uh, of denomination or, or understanding of Christianity that very much worked against the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and there, are, there are two extremes, and we've got we've to partner the two together. There's one side that's all about the Word of God, and they say, you know, all you need to know is the Scripture, and you've got to study, read Scripture, yada, 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 yada. That's one extreme. The other extreme is, oh yeah, Scripture's there, but man, it's all about the Spirit. We just got to be about the Spirit. Got to be about the Spirit. Spirit's this. Spirit leads us. Spirit, and they live in this cloud. That's an extreme again. You got to marry the two together. You got to know the Scriptures. You got to be true to the Scriptures. But we also need to be sensitive to the work of the Spirit. We need to allow the Spirit to work in us and through us. I love how one commentator said, in, uh, in this, he says, the question we need to ask is, do I have all the scriptures say I should have? Do not close your mind to what the Spirit can do in you and through you, but allow the Spirit to do what only the Spirit can do. Why? Because you know the truth of scripture, 
And so you know if it's the Spirit leading and prompting you to do something or if it's just the pizza you ate. So understand both the value of Scripture, but understand also the power of the Spirit. And don't close yourself off to what God wants to do in you and through you. Do I have all this, what the Scriptures say I should have? Emphasize, or notice the emphasis on doing everything for the purpose of making Jesus known. Whether it be in our leisure, whether it be in work, Everything we do must be with the purpose of making Jesus known. When you go about your day, and you wake up in the morning, and you're getting your you know, work best on, and you're driving into, into work, are you thinking, Jesus, use me today. Jesus, I want my coworkers. I want my boss. I want my employees. I want my, my classmates. I want my whomever I connect with today. I want them to see Jesus in me. Is that our heart's cry? Or do we just view our faith in Christ as something we do Sunday mornings when I decide to be at church? It can't be. It has to be every aspect of our life. Our faith is not compartmentalized. It is who we are. And notice as we read through the book of Acts how driven they were in everything they said and did to try and make Jesus known. That was their heart's cry. And last thing I want us to focus on as we read through this is the emphasis on the value of community with other Christians. You see, we don't live this life alone. We have to partner together. We are the body of Christ. Some of you are, are focused on one aspect. Others are focused on the other. And Paul says, listen, again, know your lane. Stay in your lane and work together, knowing that we, together as the body of Christ, fulfill his mission. I love what Kerry Newhoff, a pastor in Barrie, says. He says, we are called to be the church, not just attend one. This isn't the church. We are the church, the body. This building is just a place where we get to gather together. And we need to do that. Don't forsake getting together. Community is important. we got to support one another and, and hold each other up. Listen, there are going to be many other aspects that are going to be pulled out of the book of Acts as well, but I want us to pay attention to those overarching themes. And one of the ways we can do that is, is while we're reading, and I want to encourage you to read through Acts with me. And so this week, can I challenge you to read Acts chapters 1 through 5 between now and next Sunday? We're going to be picking this up from there. Uh, in next Sunday, we're going to be looking a little bit more in, at chapters 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. But, uh, but I want you to read through Acts chapter 1 through 5 between now and next Sunday. And kind of understand what are some of those themes and see those themes emerge as you read. See, I want you to be encouraged through this series to take leaps of faith and allow the Spirit to use you like action figures for His purpose. Willingly allowing him to put you in whatever situation he desires to put you in, knowing full well that he is in control and will use you to bring his kingdom to victory. Let's study the book of Acts and let's be challenged by the Holy Spirit through this series. Heavenly Father, I thank you. I thank you that, uh, that we are launching into this. Lord, we, we cannot be content with simply 
us being enough for the kingdom. Lord, you desire for us to be empowered by your spirit so that we can be your witness. We can, come, we can proclaim your truth. So Lord, help us. Help us to receive all that you have for us in the midst of this journey so that we can be faithful followers of Jesus. We can be your action figures. Allow us, Lord, that privilege, I pray. Speak to us. May we know you. May we hear you. May we understand you. May we be empowered by you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. John and the team are going to lead us in a song or two. You may or may not need to go, and if that's the case and you need to leave, uh, you're free to go. But uh, in our extended moments of worship here, I want to challenge you. If you can't stick around, the children are taken care of until the top of the hour. If you can't stick around, I would encourage you to allow yourself some time to pray and to worship and just ask God, God, is there something in me that I've been holding back from you? God, is there something that you want for me to have that I have refused to receive? God, are you wanting to do something in me today? And just allow the Spirit to speak to you to grab a hold of your heart this morning. May have nothing to do with what I've spoken on. Maybe something completely specific to you. And allow the Spirit to speak to you this morning. And open your eyes and your ears and your heart to receive from, from Him. So as John leads us, take the opportunities to worship and pray. And ask God to open your eyes. Thank you for coming.